Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy. Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Sarah Foss and I'm here today once again with Buzzy Cohen. Happy December 18th. Yes. <laughs> that classic December, that classic one week before Christmas. You know, it is a classic. But in the world of Jeopardy, it's all about second chances. Oh, yeah. You know, this is kicking off tomorrow. You're going to see our first nine contestants, three of whom will become champions. You're going to see that new open that we teased. Oh, my gosh. The new logo. And our social team really, uh, they got into the spirit of this because I don't know if you remember last year when we announced the first ever Second Chance groups, we had kind of a Western theme and we would name, (laughs) you know, uh, Jessica Stevens, you deserve a second chance. Yeah. It was Devin O'Rourke from our social team who voiced that so brilliantly and actually helped produce all of those pieces. So I think Devin and the rest of the team, they were like, what can we do this year? How can we up it? And They've come up with the Ultimate Love Songs collection. Oh, my God. Do you remember (laughs) those from the 90s, Buzzy? Yeah. It would be on, like, late at night. Late at night. CD set. Yes. Yeah. It was, like, the Love Song one. There was Pure Moods. Do you remember Pure Moods? I don't remember Pure Moods. Which was, like, the easy listening, like, a lot of Enya and stuff like that. Yeah. So they basically took our 36 Second Chancers, and they take stories from their initial appearances, and they kind of incorporate them into song titles. So... Please check that out because they've outdone themselves and yeah. it's pretty darn funny. I do love that we kind of have, we're holding these two things in our hands. One, Jeopardy is a, a very serious sport. <laughs> and on the other hand, we are making essentially parody videos here, yeah. like the SNL digital short. And this just speaks to how how big of a tent Jeopardy is, that it can encompass both of these things, which seem contradictory and yet make total sense in the world of Jeopardy. Yes. And I believe my conservative voice that people say I sometimes have. It Who came says out. that? Well, Michael says it. I know. It. I'm just kidding. I feel like you say it sometimes. But they came to me with the initial video and I was like, oh, no, we got to. These are a little too wild for Jeopardy. I really? saw a little too much skin. Whoa. I saw a little too much contact. Whoa. And so I sent the team back to find new footage that was a little less um, romantic. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> and I believe this is a f- kicking off the official postseason now. Yes. And it's kicking off tomorrow, December 19th. One person who's probably going to be watching maybe not as intently right now is Jelana Cotter because on December 7th, she welcomed her baby boy. Congratulations. Gilbert Ignatius Cotter. Wow. Born on Thursday, December 7th. According to Jelana, he's already sporting the, you know, future Jeopardy champion onesie. Do we think Gilbert is in honor of Johnny Gilbert? I'd like to think so. Let's just say it is. Let's just say it is. <laughs> Jelana, don't disagree. Just let us go with that thought. Apparently, she and her husband are already experiencing some sleep deprivation. So mm. I hope, you know, they can tune in for a little Jeopardy second chance despite the sleep deprivation. I have a feeling that, I mean, 
this child, Gilbert, has already experienced more jeopardy, you know, yeah. in utero than most kids do out of body. So he's been a champion. Yeah. Already. The, uh, technically, right? yeah. Technically, he was right there with her. He was right there with her. Let's get him on the leaderboard of legends. There we go. And we've got some new legends forming. Not quite leaderboard of legends, but you know, Champions Wild Card is is wrapping up for the Hearts Group. We're closing out the finals. It's been so great welcoming these players back to the Alex Trebek stage. And to think, after today, we will have added four incredible players to the Tournament of Champions field. We're getting closer and closer to that 27. Those players so far that we have Josh Sack, Emily Sands, Nick Casconi, all headed to the TOC. And we will have one more that we are going to add today as the finals between Gary Hollis, Tyler Vandenberg, and Young Shin Wong wrap up. Who will take the fourth spot? Can't wait to find out. And here on the pod, we've got to highlight last week's games and speak with champions wildcard finalists from the club's group, Jen Jaswinski. Jen brought such great energy to the Alex Trebek stage, and I can't imagine that she won't be bringing that to the pod as well. But first, Buzzy, let's take a little trip down memory lane for this week in Jeopardy! history. Jeopardy! celebrates Alex Trebek's spirit of adventure. Two weeks, ten unforgettable locations. A journey through Israel. Machu Picchu. For the islands on the Galapagos. From incredible adventures. The F-22A Raptor. To the rarely seen. From the vaults of the Metropolitan Opera. And his spirit of fun. J is for Jeopardy! Take a special trip around the world with Alex on Jeopardy! Those are some memories. December 21st, 2020 marked the start of Around the World with Alex. It was a two-week special where we aired episodes featuring some of Alex's favorite video categories that he had presented. We wanted to celebrate the memory of Alex with his love of travel and adventure. You know, he always had said that history is the past, geography is the future. And through these episodes, we saw him present clues from the Dead Sea in Israel, from... Machu Picchu, Niagara Falls, the Galapagos, the set of Sesame Street, an Air Force base, playing ice hockey with the Toronto Maple Leaves at the Metropolitan Opera. This was where Alex shined so bright. He loved being on location. I had the chance to be at several of those locations with him. I will never forget, you know, floating in the Dead Sea with Alex and him holding up a newspaper. We did a little thing like, you know, he was just reading the newspaper. We also had to, you know, the masks in the Dead Sea that are so right. so healthy, the clay masks. To do those clues featuring the special silt or mud from the Dead Sea area, he wanted to be completely covered. So just picture me, you know, on the side of the, the Dead Sea yeah. covering Alex up. <laughs> and this was obviously Alex had passed in yeah. early November and we had episodes of his leading up to Christmas Day, but we just felt like not as many people are watching over the holidays, and we wanted to make sure that we saved those so that the most people possible could see his final episodes. So we postponed those for two weeks, and we put in these special repeat episodes, and people loved watching them. I think even because Alex was gone, it was this reflection of, wow, you just forgot how much he brought to these video categories. He loved a costume, he loved a prop, he loved it all, and um, I was—I loved those episodes, and I'm glad that we could 
Remember that it's actually been three years. Hard to believe that that's when those aired. Well, also, if people are interested in hearing more about some of your overseas adventures with Alex, we did. I did an interview with you and Jimmy where you talked about the Clue Crew, but a lot of it was also about when Alex would travel with you. We did that on Inside Jeopardy and on This Is Jeopardy. So uh, definitely check that out if folks want to hear more. Yeah. Who doesn't want to hear more about that? Well, I want to hear more about last week's games. Well, let's do that. How about some highlights? We kicked off the week with our last quarterfinal game of the Hearts Group. Amal Dorai, Donesh Oliai, and Emma Salzberg. Amal got off to a fast start, responding correctly to the first seven clues, including a $3,000 daily double. But in double jeopardy, Emma and Donesh both chipped away at the lead. And it was Emma, thanks to the last daily double, who held the lead heading into a final Both she and Amal were able to come up with the correct response, but it was Emma who locked up the win. Yeah, I mean, to me, the story is what happened on the buzzer here. You know, we had an amazing, that run, that seven clue run, and it almost is like Amal couldn't even believe himself and then kind of got in his head, I think, and had a little bit of trouble with that that buzzer. But I want to congratulate Emma on pulling out that win, and I want to say 16 correct, zero incorrect. That's how you win a game of Jeopardy. Yeah, and in those early clues, you know, I have the the Elvis, we call yeah. it. So I can see that everyone is attempting to ring in, that everyone's buzzers are working. But you do kind of for a second, when you have such a commanding performance from one player in the beginning, wait, is everything okay? Is everyone's buzzer <laughs> working? They were, in fact, working. And Emma and the post-game chat said to Ken that, you know, she was really struggling in the Jeopardy round with her buzzer and that the contestant team came out and in between and said, hey, just... Some take some deep breaths, try to relax. She did just that, and wow, did she really turn it on. Amazing. To win that game. Great performance. And I have to say, Emma Salzberg, one of the people that was really highly anticipated coming mm-hmm. into this Champions Wild Card. People had her tagged as one of the ones to win, so happy that yeah. she was able to pull off a win and head into the semifinals. Moving on to Tuesday for our first semifinal game with Gary Hollis, Julia Markham Cameron, and Henry Bear. It was a pretty evenly matched Jeopardy round, but Gary went on a tear in double Jeopardy. He responded correctly to 14 clues, including a $3,000 daily double, securing a big, no doubt, exclamation point runaway win and earning that first spot in the finals. I enjoyed this interview between Julia and Ken (laughs) where there was reference to a best friend and it was actually her boyfriend. There was some confusion about the abbreviation that was written on the card right well, Ken talk saw... me through what happened <laughs> this is... well ken saw bf so yeah. he just assumed that meant best friend but julia was like oh no no ken best friend is bff but that would actually be best friend forever. forever so i think that you know ken was understandably confused but then you know julia just really took it as an opportunity to talk about her fabulous boyfriend and how cute he was mm. and then ken was like yeah he's pretty cute and so that was a fun moment. Very wholesome. Yeah. And in the post-game chat, talk of Julia's boyfriend continued. You know, Ken told her that it must be so great to play in front of her fabulous boyfriend as she had referenced him in the interview. And she said that, you know, he's so cute. And Ken said he is pretty cute. I'm not going to lie. Then Ken moved on to Henry. And he said, Henry, you don't have to talk about Julia's boyfriend if you don't want to. But did you enjoy yourself? <laughs> and Henry did. And Gary said, you know what? I'm just excited that I get to play two more times. Yeah. He's in the finals. That's awesome. Guarantees a two-game total point affair. And this is what so many of these champions say. It's just a win means another chance to play Jeopardy. Absolutely. There's nothing more fun. 
All right, heading into Wednesday with Tyler Vandenberg, Emma Salzberg, and Ed Colson. Another close Jeopardy round, but Tyler really shined in double Jeopardy and almost ran away with it, but Emma worked her way back into contention so it would all come down to final. All three players wagered it all, leaving the possibility for a three-way tie, which we always hold our breath a little <laughs> bit when that happens. But they were all correct, so it was Tyler who had the lead going into final who advances I'm interested to know about Tyler's all-in bet. Obviously did not need to do that to secure the win. Uh, Tyler making a statement with that. Yeah, well, and also his stone-faced, you know, our our contestant team does say a little poker face. Don't let on to the audience or the viewers if you are correct and final. But he really takes that to the next level. I can see what he's written down. I know that he's correct, and yet I'm still wondering, like, did I get it wrong? Because he looks so serious. But... Apparently, he does like movie musicals, and as soon as Ken saw that correct response, then we saw a nice smile from Tyler. He actually revealed in the postgame chat that he was a musical theater student in high school. So that certainly paid off. A man of many talents we're learning about Tyler. And Ed Coulson's 90-year-old parents attended the taping. Ed thanked the crew for being absolutely awesome and helping them. I tell you what, Ed's parents... Looking good. Yeah, that's awesome. What an amazing thing to get to share. My parents were never invited to any of my tapings. I was wondering that. Why? I'm. They're so excited for me. They can't contain themselves. And I just <laughs> needed like a little bit of, you know, like I wanted to be focused. They came actually when I was an alternate. And even then they were like trying to talk to me. And, you know, they're not allowed to talk no. to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, guys. And I was like, when I got the call again, I was like, I don't want to be distracted. Okay. And it's all from excitement and enthusiasm. And... I kind of know where I need to be in that moment. Well, because Alicia and your other friends brought a lot of enthusiasm yeah, as well. So Alicia. I can't imagine if you're thinking your parents would have been even higher than that. Yes. Well, uh, yes. I mean, you've you've seen them in some tapings and they, they don't hold back. Nope, they do not. But, you know, I like that about them. Were Ed's parents 90 years old? Were they jumping out of their seats and screaming for Not him? quite. But okay. they were thrilled with the experience and... You know, Ed may not have advanced in that game, but he certainly put on a good performance, really strong in the quarterfinals. And that's for any parent. I really can't imagine getting to see your son or daughter thrive on the Alex Trebek stage. Yeah. Semi-finalist, no joke. No joke. Moving on to Thursday with Garrett Marcotte, Youngshin Wong, and Andrew Chaikin. This was a tight game until Andrew found both daily doubles in double jeopardy, nearly back-to-back, adding $12,600 to his score to skyrocket into the lead. Youngshin chipped away at that lead, targeting those high-value clues, and was able to work his way back into contention, heading into final. Then Youngshin, the only player to be correct, he comes from behind once again. He's got a talent for this to secure the final spot in the finals. Yeah, I got to hand it to Youngshin. He's really, you know, it's hard, especially when someone has those back-to-back daily doubles and a big lead to kind of keep your head in it and know I'm not out of this yet. And so I really want to hand it to him to, for keeping himself in the game and pulling it out when, when he had to. Yeah, and Final Jeopardy, just a reminder, the category was business. Of the big four U.S. airlines, the four that each have over 15% of the domestic market, it's the youngest. I actually thought they were all going to get this. So Mm. I was not anticipating that Andrew would be incorrect. Garrett and Andrew went with Delta Airlines. Youngshin coming up with Southwest. Mm. Would you have gone there? 
I don't know. I It's hard for me to put myself in the shoes. I definitely would not have. I don't think Delta would have been my guess. I don't think United would have been my guess. I, yeah, I think process of elimination. That's, like I may have gone with JetBlue or something like right, that. Right, right. But not American Delta United. Yeah, like those I are know like, that those are the three of the four. Yeah. Yeah. I still think of Southwest as kind of regional, you know, because they tend to not yeah. do the long hauls. They do the short hauls. So I may have gone with JetBlue in this situation. All right. Well, I would have been wrong. Youngshin would have been Youngshin would be heading to the finals in any of these scenarios. <laughs> he did reveal backstage that Andrew was the absolute calm, not only for himself, but for all the contestants. Youngshin said Andrew was like, hey, guys, we're on Jeopardy. We get another shot at this. It's amazing. So Andrew really that. brought like such a cool vibe, I think, for all of the contestants in the Hearts group. Well, Youngshin returned on Friday for day one of the two-day total point of fair, along with Tyler Vandenberg and Gary Hollis. Very close game between Gary and Youngshin. Tyler fought his way from third place. Gary found all three daily doubles, responding correctly to two of them. But Youngshin continuing to target those high-value clues, helping him to take the lead heading into final. Tyler, from third place, went all in and was the only player to come up with the correct response. So he actually takes the lead heading into day two. It's almost like uh, Jeremy Irons was in this game with this reversal of fortune. That's a deep cut reference for everyone out there. Um, but I like Tyler's approach to the game one final. And I also like Youngshen and Gary's. It's like, you know, it looks like a big difference. It's an effective $4,000 lead, really. If you make that big wager and it works out like it did for Tyler, awesome. And if it doesn't, you're still in the mix. I think it's hard to kind of over game, especially for the first day final Jeopardy. So for me, it's like, we're all going to get it right or we're all going to get it wrong. That's kind of how you have to approach it. You can see how that mindset can help you kind of get into a bigger wager situation. Well, and I did hold up a bit of this game because I made a a very serious error. I brought out a cup of coffee uh, to the desk. I spilled it everywhere. I mean, we had to like stop down taping for a few moments because the coffee was dripping over the judge's <laughs> table into my computer. So my apologies for that. And I wasn't even here to deliver you coffee for this game, which I, I would have probably been partially to blame on a, on another tape it day. It probably would have had a better lid. You know, this was just craft <laughs> service coffee and it did not hold up. In the post-game chat after this game, Ken, of course, talked to all three players, talking about it's, you know, we've seen comebacks from third place. We've seen comebacks from second place. So Ken said to Youngshin, how do you mark your odds? Youngshin said, not good. I lose all the time at work, though. So this is just fun for me. (laughs) As a lawyer, he's used to losing, and he's okay with that. But then, of course, Ken was like, but you did win Best Dressed at Jeopardy Honors and asked about the outfit he was wearing at this game, to which Young Shin replied, this is typically what I wear to work, so hopefully it doesn't (gasps) smell like jail or desperation. OMG. Well, I do think the fact... I I talk a lot about this in my (laughs) audiobook. I want to move on from the jail and desperation thing because I I don't think that's what I smell in Young Shin. One of the things I do talk about in my audiobook is getting used to failure. Like, because... No matter what, especially in Jeopardy and in other situations, things aren't always going to go your way. And I think what we've seen from Youngshin is that like he can have things not go his way and he stays in it. And that's something that's really, really hard for a lot of us because especially people who go on Jeopardy are successful. They're used to being successful and finding ways to practice failure 
is very, very hard to do. It's not very fun, but it can also help you be successful in these situations. I love it. I we'll love have that to wait insight. In, we'll have to wait until Monday to find out if Young Shen pulls it out. Right. But he has proven that those come from behind wins are definitely, you know, within his within his grasp. Yeah, maybe that's a Jeopardy honors category this year. Mm. The comeback kid. I might uh lobby for that to be a category. Okay. Well we've the comeback got comeback kid. We have come up with some new categories, so we might have to consider Buzzy suggestion as well? Probably not going to happen. Maybe. I always love a good buzzy <laughs> suggestion. All right. Well, now it is time for our host chat. An audience member asked Ken, what did you use to practice your buzzer strategy? So at home, I didn't, I mean, a lot of people just use a ballpoint pen. I think nowadays some contestants make uh, replica buzzers. I had a Fisher Price toy from my 18 month old son. It was uh, one of these ring stacking toys with the colored donuts. Have you guys ever seen these, like the rainbow colored rings? I took off the rings and the middle, the yellow thing in the middle felt like it was about the size of the thing you see on TV. So I would, I would stand behind my recliner at home like jamming my thumb up and down on this thing while my son cried because I took his toy. Okay, so he talks about that Fisher Price toy. I yes. will say I went to Ken's house to do these profile pieces leading up to the goat competition and I said, I want to see how it goes down because his, his practice had evolved a bit at that point. Mm -hmm. He wasn't using the Fisher Price toy because, of course, his kids are teenagers, but he has, you know, a big television. He stands behind like a lazy boy chair as if it's kind of a podium, and he has a pen in his hand, and he just watches shows and just plays along like he's standing there ringing in. No joke, when we were doing this, he pulled up a random episode, he started playing it, and up came one of my clues. So I have this like very <laughs> surreal moment of being in Ken Jennings' basement with him behind his lazy boy chair ringing into a clue that I'm presenting from my former life. It was it was crazy. Yeah. And obviously that paid off for him because we know that he won GOAT. Ken is the GOAT. He's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. Now it is time to welcome back Jeopardy! Champions wildcard finalist Jen Jaswinski to the pod. Hi, Jen. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, Jen, I have to say the first day I saw you in studio, you smiled and you gave me a big wave and I was like, Jen is here for it. She's here for all the experience and she is excited. And who could have known on that first morning of day one just how far you'd go? I, I certainly did not expect it. I actually got to meet Josh Sack when I was out in 2021 and we were messaging <laughs> a little ahead of this and I had said to him, you know, for me, I feel like it's a chance to go back and get to play at least one more time this game that is so much fun and to have my family be able to come, at least some of them, and be able to watch. That was going to be amazing in and of itself. And then when I won the quarterfinal, I was like, oh, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> well, take us back to your Jeopardy journey, Jen. How long had you been trying to get on the show and were you an anytime test taker? Tell me about your journey. So I had actually auditioned twice in person before the anytime test existed where you had to you know set down on those specific days uh block it out in your calendar to take the test uh the first time my husband drove me to detroit and uh that audition did not go well but i showed up and Happens. they're doing just the practice from the audience where you know they want you to just raise your hand and shout stuff out and i get my hand up right away for the yes. very first question which is something like what do you call a house for a cashew in rhyme time? And just right there, I'm like, nut hut, no form of a question, just, <laughs> and they just looked at me and I was like, right, what is, what is 
not hut. Oh, yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> and then, um, you know, they get to the practice interview part and two people in front of me, someone said, I love to read. And immediately the response was, don't tell us that. Like, don't let that be your interview because everyone <laughs> who comes on Jeopardy loves to read. Loves to read. <laughs> and everything I had built around, I'm a librarian, books are a huge part of my life. And I just <laughs> sat there waiting for my turn thinking, I do other things. I do. I know I do other things. What else do I do? I don't know. And I got up there and they asked me, you know, tell us about yourself. And I'm like, I love to read. It was very sad. <laughs> Luckily, when the Anytime test came about during COVID times, when everything switched to being online, my online interview went much better. <laughs> that I, I felt much more secure by that third time around, more comfortable with talking to people and practicing and all of that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then y'all called in March of 2021. And you played during some, some guest host times. Yeah. You had not one but two guest hosts, Sanjay Gupta and George Stephanopoulos. What was it like to play during those times? Well, definitely very different than this time. Both Dr. Gupta and George Stephanopoulos were very kind hosts. I thought they did a lovely job. I apparently preferred Dr. Gupta's hosting style because that's when I won and promptly <laughs> lost with George, unfortunately. Um, but, but he also, I mean, he did a very nice job. It just, my timing apparently was not there with his delivery. It was really interesting. There was also a three-week break in between my two filming times because they were actually filming the Tournament of Champions, I believe, when Fuzzy was hosting that. Um, oh, in that, between that there. time. So you got to be a reigning champion even longer. <laughs> Yes, uh, but it was definitely a whole different, you know, you got to fly out again and get into that whole mindset one more time. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, we didn't make quite the same connections then. I, I got to meet some really lovely people, and I still keep in touch with some of them. But the second time that I was out, there was a very deliberate process from the contestants as a whole to be like, yes, let's make sure we know how to reach out to each other. And the clubs are a proud group. I mean, yeah. we heard it from Nick Casconi. Like, you guys, you're all in on your clubs. Yes, as Dennis is fond of posting, um, clubs rule. We do indeed. And we are, in fact, <laughs> the best of the wildcard divisions, I'm quite sure. <laughs> well, only the TOC will tell. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, I feel incredibly lucky to have been a part of this particular group of contestants, that they are such wonderful people that I was privileged to have the opportunity to meet. So I have just a a random question. Your semifinal aired on Thanksgiving. How did you juggle family dinner and a viewing <laughs> party? I want to hear about what that was like. Uh, so I was extremely lucky that my mom did all of the dinner preparations, that I had barely anything uh -huh. to do. Um, we have a pretty small group in person at this point, but my sister lives out of state and wasn't able to be here. So it was just my parents, my husband, myself, and my grandma, who uh, I'm very lucky that she was able to be there. So we just moved up our dining time a little bit earlier than we would normally do <laughs> so that we could watch. So we just made sure that we did all of our dinner stuff, that we were done eating before the show started. And my husband, is um, his job is in the computer industry. And he sets up a really fancy Zoom setup so that we can have other family join us while we're watching, which is really fun. And Amy and Ed both took times out of their Thanksgiving 
to come join the Zoom and hang out with my family for part of the day. Which, right? Right. And it's Amy's son's birthday, too. (laughs) Keep that in mind. And, like, she still made the time to come and hang out and watch the show with everybody. I love that. I have to know, what was the collective gasp or sigh when you wagered $9,000 on a daily double in that game, whether it be in Zoom or the people who were right there? Well, so my parents and James had seen that live. (laughs) So they were very excited when it (laughs) happened in the studio. On the Zoom, you could see lots of my friends are all for those really big wagers. (laughs) So lots of excitement that I was willing to go with that. I mean, Ed was on fire in that game with the buzzer and anything he wasn't getting, Amy was picking up immediately. So when I had that opportunity, mm. I just felt like I'm so far behind to have any chance. I have to go go big on this one. Well, and Kenny even pointed out, you know, all three of you with at least 40 attempts in that game. So it really did come down to the buzzer and you had to maximize those daily double opportunities when you had them, if you were lucky enough to get one. So coming out of that semifinal, as you got in your mental place for, uh, you know, realizing, oh my God, I'm in the finals. Talk me through like kind of your your backstage pep talk. Oh yeah, that's a great question that I had brought up. Um... Because I just want to say, you came into that first final game on fire. You had 25 correct responses and a 62% buzzer percentage. So whatever you did backstage, I need to know because I need that. <laughs> so my hair things are like the little um, rolly, they look like telephone cord kinds. And mm-hmm. I had one with me and I just sit there back in the green room, rolling it through my fingers as basically a fidget and try to not think too hard about what's coming up and focus on what's going on right in the now. Uh, I had also brought, I don't have my own flashcards that I've made, but I have a set of Usborne Kids Fine Art flashcards. And I had been going through those a little bit back in the green room, which was great because then everybody was going through the flashcards with me. And I'm like, this might be defeating the purpose of this slightly. <laughs> but, you know, it, it helps me to focus on something and keep a little bit calmer for sure. Well, and as Buzzy pointed out, you know, your incredible stats, not only did you have those stats, but you had double the amount of correct responses as Nick and almost double for Dennis. You know, Nick himself in that moment said, This is the buzzer queen. So obviously, those two finalists in that break, they knew they had to up their game, and they came out swinging in that game too. Just talk us through that game. I don't even know what changed. I don't know. So I will say one of the things that I think really threw me is that the final Jeopardy in the first game of the final is the first final Jeopardy I missed. Mm. I had gotten all of my previous final Jeopardies, so... Not being able to come up with that one, I do think really, <laughs> and, and going over in my head, I'm like, why did you wager that much? You knew that was not a great category for you, <laughs> uh, but I felt like I had but to again. you had always been correct in final. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I can usually sense. figure it out. That one in particular, I was a little disappointed in myself because I felt like I psyched myself out on it, that I looked at that, I looked mm. at British cities and I'm like, ooh, You know, British history is not necessarily an area I feel super strong in. And I I read the clue and I looked at it and I thought, I don't know this story. Like, I don't know this event in history. I don't recognize that motto. It makes me think of the church kind of, which is how I ended up at Canterbury for the guest that I had. 
And then hearing the answer and realizing this was a language question. The clues are all there in the question. I could have figured it out if I had not convinced myself, you just don't know it, come up with a city to guess. Mm. And mm, I think I think that really, unfortunately, I remember one of the things that we get told a lot of the time is shake it off when you get stuff wrong, you know, just shake it off, move on to the next thing. And I needed to do a little bit better job of that going from that final into yeah. the second game. That is truly one of the hardest things, you know, whether it's at the end of a game in a two game thing, which is an added challenge of a two game. Like, you know, you could have, as I did, a very bad first game and then have to come out and play again, which almost never happens. But you had a great first game and then like kind of this weird hiccup in the middle. You know, it's it's really a hard thing. And it's also hard to do in the middle of, the, of a game. And But I think, you know, you showed the kind of fortitude to come back out and really, you know, do your thing. Yeah, and your attempts were there. I mean, game two of the final, you're right up there in attempts. You're at 40. It's just, you know, the buzzer wasn't going your way as much. Yeah. It had to feel good. You came up with the correct response in final on that day two of the two-day total point affair. You might not have won, but you proved once again you are correct when it counts. I like to think that that's kind of the exclamation point on yeah. a Jeopardy game. It may not be a win, but it proves that you absolutely have what it takes. And given a different set of categories or even the same categories, play them back with a little different luck on the buzzer or a daily double, you walk away a winner. Yeah. Could be. I will tell you, my, my husband will actually tell you, that for at least a couple of weeks afterwards, he would hear me just occasionally around the house go, Oxford, giraffe. <laughs> it's like, just, you know, it was like two questions, two questions. If I had, you know, been able to pull either of those, I feel like that could have made a huge difference mentally for all three of us, really, on how that might have gone. Well, interestingly enough, Jelana Cotter said the same thing. You know, for her in the finals, it really came down to two clues as well and a couple of different things and she's headed to the TOC. Yeah. Yeah, it was it has been so great to watch all these other people and to get to um, connect with some of them in the wider community for sure that we have had some really admirable players and and gosh, it sure is great to see this level of play. And not to take away from our male champions, but as a female in the world of Jeopardy, certainly you, along with so many others in Champions Wildcard, Jelana, Emily, we've seen some great female champions emerge that are really here to play, and I love to see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I love this game. It is so much fun to be up on that stage testing yourself against some of the other wonderful people and, and getting the excitement of, of you know, seeing what do you know? How much can you get in? I'm so lucky to have gotten to be there. And yeah. We hear from so many interesting people on this podcast about their love for learning. What if you could learn from the world's best all in one place? You can with Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with over 200 of the world's best for just $10 a month. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. Confidently navigate the media with the influential, intellectual Noam Chomsky. Use science to solve your problems with Bill Nye. Or learn from the past with Pulitzer Prize-winning historian Doris Kearns Goodwin. I personally enjoy James Clear's class that is helping me build smarter habits to help tackle daily challenges. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. Masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. <laughs> 
Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? No. Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Jen, as since you are a listener, you'll know that now is the time for Buzzy to throw ah, out his yes. his uh, Inside Jeopardy version of the Proust questionnaire. Uh, number one, what is your commissary lunch order? So I I fear I'm about to horrify Sarah. <laughs> that oh no, is it I, a poke bowl? Hold on. <laughs> no, I actually chose the World Kitchen. I believe all three days that I was there eating at the commissary. <laughs> Stunned <laughs> silence here in the studio. Yeah. Wow. You took an international trip around well, I, the know, commissary I, it, world. Now, all of a sudden, the $9,000 daily double is connecting. You're mm. someone who's not afraid to no, take a big risk. No, you are not afraid to take big risks. <laughs> the first two days, to be fair, I had already played my quarterfinal when I got to go to lunch. So mm-hmm. yeah. I was right. just looking at yeah. what looks really good to me. Stakes are lower. Um, yeah. yeah. What do I have the you've chance to a good, try You've here? earned a good lunch. <laughs> right? Um, and on the third day, right before the finals, mostly I was like, I just have to pick something, something. Okay, look, this this looks fine. Great. I'm just going to go with this again. Yeah, I, I can't waste any intellectual energy yeah. on my food choice. I need to save it all for the finals. All right. And then my next question, which you're aware of, is, is there a stat of yours from your time at Jeopardy that you are most proud of? I have been thinking about this. That is a tricky question. If if I had gotten Oxford, let me tell you, it would be my final Jeopardy get rate. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still pretty good. Right. Six out of seven good. is pretty great in Final Jeopardy. But really, I think that game that Amy and Ed and I played where, you know, um, Matt actually had pointed out a bunch of the stats when the box score got posted. And, you know, we only had three triple stumpers in that entire match. And, you know, I think we had three incorrect answers total over the whole match. Like, that is a pretty pretty great game of Jeopardy and to have been able to be a part of that feels pretty special. I do want to ask Jen a lot of times when we talk to our female champions a lot of our champions to be honest will say 
you know, I just, I watched the show. I didn't think I had what it took. I thought I would try out, but I didn't expect to do very well. And yet you've come on and proven just the opposite. What would you say to someone who's listening to the pod and loves the show, but maybe doesn't think that they could come on and perform at a level like you did? Or someone who's tried out once, but maybe thought that was my shot and I shouldn't try again. I just feel like I want people to hear from the source, someone who's just gone through this experience, what what you would advise. I mean, 100%, keep trying to audition. I mean, you heard oh, my first audition went terribly. It went awfully. Sometimes you just need a practice round of even the audition process before you, you really settle into being comfortable. It's so much fun, people. What do you have to lose by giving it a try at least? You know, getting accepted onto the show is an honor just in itself. So even if you're worried that you might get up there and things might not go exactly your way, it's still, first of all, I keep coming back to so much fun. <laughs> like you get to meet amazing people. You get to meet the staff who are fantastic. You get to meet your other contestants who are, as far as I can tell, unanimously lovely as well. <laughs> Just give it a try. And yes, I would love to see more women coming on to the Jeopardy show and excelling. 100%, I would love to see more of that. Well, you certainly set the bar high for Jeopardy champions. You played so well on the Alex Trebek stage, and it was such a pleasure welcoming you back. We look forward to seeing you maybe front row for the TOC, cheering on your clubs. I don't know, if not a Zoom session. <laughs> yeah, right? I would, I, I very, I, you know, I'd love to come be able to cheer them on. That would be fantastic. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Jen. Happy oh, holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show, Buzzy. We're going to be back next week to discuss more game highlights, including day two of the Champions Wild Card Final. Plus, we'll have the winner of that final joining us for a special conversation. Will we be talking to Gary? Will it be Tyler? Will it be Youngshin? Tune in to find out. And we'll be highlighting the first four games of the Season 39 Second Chance competition. You will not want to miss it, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us at Jeopardy on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on TikTok, on Twitter, or X. And we will see you all next week. See you then. Bye.